It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host uh, via mobile device, Mr. Tom Abbey. How you doing, Tom? Good. I wish I was in the sports lounge with you. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been a crazy week for us. Uh, you've been on the road for your job. Uh, spent some time in Little Rock this week. Yes. Uh, you just got in last night, right? Yeah, I just flew home, uh, landed safely late last night, and looking forward to a good weekend of sports to take my mind off all the busyness. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a lot of craziness for us in our uh, in our work lives in the last few weeks. I got to hit the road for Connecticut tomorrow, so um, we apologize for the later release this week on the podcast. Um, you know, sometimes life gets in the way when it comes to stuff like this, and uh, you know, next week we expect to be able to record hopefully on Thursday night um, and then get it up on Friday. Um, so that's the tentative plan right now. Is uh, I get back into town Thursday morning. Yeah, it should be good pretty excited i think we got a a really good show this week and uh that's going to carry us right over to a fun week uh next thursday should be a fun show as well yeah tom uh give us a rundown of what we got on the agenda today okay today we're going to recap the super bowl uh we're going to talk about some nba trade deadline uh we're going to preview the big ufc card ufc 247 and then we're going to round it off with our look at the first week of the xfl uh, week one starts this week it should be a lot of fun is it weird that that's the thing i'm most excited for this weekend uh, no i think it's it's going to be a lot of fun football is great it's a great sport and so to get a little bit more of it I'm, i know i'm excited about see some of these young quarterbacks especially get an opportunity that maybe they just didn't get in the nfl so yeah i think you know this is going to be an opportunity for us to see some guys that are on the fringe um, with some fun, exciting rules, and I think that it's going to be really enjoyable to watch. And I think that, you know, this by far is the one I've been amped about most, That you know, considering, like, the AAF or, um, you know, I even watched some CFL from time to time. But this one I, I'm really excited to watch and see what happens and, you know, go Battlehawks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how the teams look, how the product looks, and see how the more than anything I think this week, I'm just excited to see how the new rules are going to work. Um, I think that's really something that is going to be interesting to see play out. You know, we talked about them the one show and it'll be fun to see how that goes. Absolutely. So uh, give us a rundown of uh, the Super Bowl results, Tom. Okay. So the two of us were four and all against the spread. So I hope everyone was listening and uh, got their money on the right side of things. Uh, we both had the chiefs. We both had the under and both, both of those covered. So four and all against the spread with our own Kevin Gray, Picking the exact score the Super Bowl ended at, um, how, do you, how did you feel when that score came up to be exactly what you had predicted there, Kev? Yeah, I was sitting there watching the game with a few buddies, and uh, right in that moment when uh, Damian Williams broke that last touchdown, yeah. I sent a message to our group that you're included in there, and uh, I said, hey, Tom, what was that final score that I predicted for the <laughs> Super Bowl? And uh, you weren't exactly sure off the top of your head, but I, I knew what it was, and I had to go back and re-listen and, and share the clip with a bunch of people. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a great feeling to nail something right on the money like that and uh, be on the right side in every place. Um, you know, I posted uh, in numerous places uh, the ticket that I had, had purchased at the Lounge at Turning Stone, uh, mm -hmm. having Kansas City winning by 7 to 12 points at plus 400. Um, you know, that it's just – it played out – 
I mean, just about how we talked about how Kansas City's never out of it. San Francisco could get the lead, but Kansas City's going to come rallying back at some point. And I didn't see San Francisco's offense getting more than 20 on the board, and that's right where they landed. Yeah, it's really weird because we had mentioned, um, I know I had mentioned that I felt like you take the Chiefs because for the 49ers to win, they have to play a perfect game. And really, for three quarters, they played the perfect game. They got Mahomes to turn it over, which almost never happens. Um, also they made... a, a winning prop from delivered by yours truly. Yeah. They um yeah, yeah. They had some big plays on offense, like big chunk plays that they really needed. And they're running the ball the ball, you know, not great like they had in some games, but a good enough where you're like, Wow, they really got this. And then the Chiefs just do what they've done all year and uh, especially in the postseason. They, the Chiefs were down ten points in every single playoff game, including the Super Bowl. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean it's it's incredible. There, the likelihood of that was so uh, minuscule that to see the Chiefs rally in each of those playoff games and really just take control, and that's something that you know Mahomes has that kind of John Elway in the in the '90s feel, where you know when he gets the ball late, you don't want to see that happening. Um, he's, um, he's just I have one of those not guys. heard that comparison um, before with Mahomes, and it's very much similar to how I felt um, the last couple of games where you just knew they were going to win. You didn't know how. You just knew it, and that, that really is Elway-esque, where when a lot of times, I, I know not so much anymore, but a while ago I'd get in the debates, and I would always mention that you know John Elway does not get enough credit for being how great he was, and you know, that definitely he has some or Mahomes has a little bit of Elway to him. So yeah, I, th- like I think that. that their games are really similar. Elway had a, a rocket arm and he could run the ball when needed. Um, he didn't do right. it all the time, but I mean, evidenced by that amazing play in the Super Bowl where he leaped in the air and helicoptered his way into the end zone. You know, kind of his coup de grace to the NFL. <laughs> it was. Uh, it, I see a lot of similarities, and you saw Mahomes taking those same kind of chances, running the ball and letting himself get walloped down by the goal line, where he ended up fumbling it out of bounds um, on that third down play. And then on fourth down, they come back and run the old school kind of uh, trick play power run, where Mahomes does that little turn, gets out of the way, and they direct snap it to Williams, and they pick up the fourth down and end up punching yeah. it in. Yeah, that play was a lot of fun, too. Yeah, no doubt about it. So It, it was simplistic, but also complex. Like, the all the complexities happened before the snap. Once they snapped it, it was straight ahead. Uh, Tom, give me a rundown of our uh, prop results. The prop of Palooza, Kevin ended up walking away as the winner. Uh, $562 to mine 330 I actually only hit one prop. It was the Wood Mahomes throw two touchdowns in a quarter. I did not get the Gatorade, and I missed the national anthem by three seconds. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a tough situation, you know, making those kind of selections. But um, I, I liked some of our in-game stuff that we made picks on. Um, yeah, I felt like San Francisco would pressure Mahomes enough to get a pick in that game. Uh, that came through for me. Um, you know that. To me, that's the one that I, I liked, and and the sacks that that those two were correlated to me, those two props. The fact that you know San Francisco's defense was going to get to Mahomes, and then they were going to force a turnover. So um, with that happening, Kansas City still scores thirty one points and wins the game by double digits. <laughs> right, right. Uh, again, they they played great. They got everything they could have hoped for, but 
just didn't seem to be enough. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I, I think that it's really an, an all-time kind of Super Bowl watching it. It was so much fun that, you know, it was up in the air. Even when Kansas City took the lead 24-20, San Francisco had a chance. They got the ball. They got near midfield. And my feelings all year about Garoppolo not being the quarterback that's going to that's gonna win a game for you uh, mm-hmm. seemed to come to fruition there. And, and he throws a pick. And, you know, Kansas City puts yeah. the game away. Yeah, that ball was high, but I'll tell you what. Uh, I mean, what a play they he made there to catch the ball. The, yeah, uh, losing losing his name. What was his name? Um, I can't remember who it was that made the pick. He, he's uh-huh. he, he's wearing uh, twenty nine. Right. We're selling this guy short. He made the, the I know, right? The Super Bowl <laughs> right. That's what happens when you play defense. It, it um, is. But yeah, it was a great catch. You know, the ball's high. He goes up and takes it away and. That's the game. Uh, next, we have the fantasy results. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we picked teams. Uh, just a quick rundown of the teams. Kevin had Kelsey, Kittle, Damian Williams, Raheem Mostert, and Emmanuel Sanders. I had Mahomes, Jimmy G, Tyreek Hill, Debo Samuels, and Sammy Watkins. I ended up coming up on top 88.8 to 76.2. Uh, Kevin, Damian Williams got you 32 points there and really – had you in it gave almost, me a chance gave me a chance you know i needed uh i needed kittle to to perform a little more than he did um you know he just didn't he didn't do enough for me for the the time that i selected him really um yeah. that that was the part that really hurt me i think what was really exciting for us and this fantasy i think is some of the other guys really made big plays i mean i had sammy Watkins who made a couple of huge catches for the chiefs down the stretch um, obviously, Damian Williams with the big touchdown at the end. Kelsey doing what he does, and Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, he put up some points for it, even though at the end he didn't really get another shot. Uh, he definitely got you some points there before the end there. Yeah, I thought that he might be an X factor in that game, and um, he was a guy that you know Samuel was going to be the focus of the defense as far as the passing game was concerned. Samuel and, and Kittle, and that opens up opportunities for a guy who has plenty of talent, Emmanuel Sanders. So. Uh, yeah. I, I thought that it was it was really a good play uh, for daily fantasy in that spot because he wasn't too expensive either. Yeah, no, it was it was good. I know that, as you know, I won a bunch of money on my DraftKings that day. I had quite a nice little lineup. I played it very similar to what I had here, except for I had to swap out some guys for cheaper competition. But yeah, and, and um, use check is the one that could have changed the whole day for you. You could have been a big winner yeah. if use check scores on that play. It's yeah. a, instead of Mostert punching the ball in, who a yeah. bunch of people had selected in, in Daily Fantasy, um, check scores on that play, and now you get that six. It's a 12-point flip, basically, between you and the people that had Mostert and uh, probably puts you somewhere you know, in the thousands of dollars in, in return. Yeah. yeah, instead of winning like $180, I could have been up, up big money. But, you know, I'll take a profit any day, so that was fun. Yeah, and... Um, <laughs> I'm excited to get my DraftKings on here a little bit later today with the UFC. So that's uh, yes. it, between getting to watch some XFL this afternoon. We'll be we'll be wrapping the pod here sometime, probably a little before halftime of the the first XFL game between Seattle and uh, yeah Seattle and DC, right? Yep. And uh, then I'll go in and watch the second half. Get jazzed up for that five o'clock game, which is going to be really fun um, shootout action. But you know, we'll dig into that a little bit more here shortly. 
Yeah, next we're going to talk about the NBA trade deadline. Um, we haven't talked too much NBA here yet. I think we were busy wrapping up the NFL season, but I think as you, we go along here, we'll start talking more NBA. Um, we got the All-Star game next weekend. That's always a fun bunch of events. And then we have, um, you know, the stretch to the playoffs. I mean, they're getting down to almost 30 games left for most of these teams. So um, I thought... let's talk about some, some trades and see what you thought. Yeah, I mean, I thought we might see even a little bit more excitement than we ended up getting at the deadline. Uh, the Lakers kind of stood pat on what they're doing. So as we talk about the top of the league, we'll talk Lakers-Clippers. Um, those two teams are, are performing at a really high level. The Bucks, um, out of the East, they decided that they're good with where they're at. They did not need to make any big moves. Um, so some of the moves that you did see, though, were and, – and I think this – you know, bodes well for the future in Golden State is uh, sending D'Angelo Russell on his way after signing him to the contract in the offseason uh, to Minnesota and getting Andrew Wiggins back. I think that Wiggins will fit with Clay and Steph much better than D'Angelo Russell ever would have. And I think that that was such a smart play by that Golden State uh, leadership group to bring in a guy that's going to mesh with that group. And he may not be a starter he might play the three with Draymond at four and Clay and, and Curry that team's going to go from awful this year to right back in contention for titles next year yeah I think the scary thing for the Warriors is they are going to get a really good draft pick this year in that trade they also got a draft pick from the Timberwolves it's top three protected so if it's in the top three they don't get it but they get the, if, if, if it's outside the top three, they'll get an additional first-round pick in 2021. And for a team that's going to be returning some of those guys from injury, uh, they uh, get, could be reloading, you know, after losing a couple guys in Iggy and uh, Kevin Durant. They could really be reloading to go after a few more championships while they still have the Splash Brothers together. Yeah. Um, they could get even better, maybe, it's depending on what they end up getting. It, yeah, it's crazy to think that those guys are uh, – obviously, you're not seeing either of them right now playing for that team. And um, now you you add Wiggins to the mix, who, who does have that instant offensibility. And uh, the rest of the team seems to do a pretty good job of playing defense. Uh, so I right. think they can make up for some of his deficiencies there. And – you know, that it's going to be an exciting group, I think, next year. So that that's a team that I really want to look to uh, next season. I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what their win total comes out as this summer uh, for next season. Yeah, right now Wiggins, Wiggins is averaging 22 points and five rebounds a game and three assists. Yeah. That's uh, pretty solid stats there. And, you know, he'll help them in the short term too. Um, I think that he'll fit better. D'Angelo Russell's kind of a ball stopper. Um, he, he used to distribute in college and, and be a true point guard. Um, but instead now he's a guy that dribbles the ball 30 feet from the basket, um, looking for ISO opportunities. And that's just not my favorite style to watch at all. And it's definitely not the golden state way. So no, that was never going to fit there term. So I think that, you know, they may have had this in mind the whole time. Uh, let's sign Russell now give a little excitement to the team, you know, something fun to watch because we know we're not going to be competitive without these guys. Uh, but then to make a, a big trade at the trade deadline and get assets back that are going to fit the team moving forward. Right. Um, next big trade we want to talk about is probably going to be the Clippers and our New York Knicks in a three team trade with the wizards swapping around some parts. Um, the Clippers get Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas. 
um, not that Isaiah Thomas, and right. <laughs> Jerome Robinson goes to the Wizards. The Knicks get Mo Harkless and a 2020 first round draft pick. Uh, what are your first thoughts on that trade? As a, uh, for for disclaimer purposes, Kevin and I are both very angry, sad Knicks fans. Yeah, it's been rough. Um, I mean, I think that you had to get something for Morris. Uh, we signed him to a one-year, $15 million deal, and the opportunity to, to get assets in any way, and that asset really is the first-round pick. Um, as Harkless is a free agent at the end of the year as well, he's got an expiring contract, so I don't know that he really fits into the plans long-term uh, with the brand-new uh, leadership, uh, bringing Leon Rose and World Wide West in to kind of run the, the club here moving forward. I'll be really interested to see how – that affects the way that they approach the off season. And, you know, Marcus Morris always has the opportunity to come back. He feels like a Nick. He, he plays a little gritty, um, but he, his shooting ability is going to be a value to the Clippers as long as he doesn't stop the ball and you don't have him taking away too many shots from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And I think Morris uh, <laughs> really is value here for the Clippers um, he's an upgrade at that position, small forward for them. I mean, for the Knicks, he's been averaging 19.6 points a game, five rebounds, and really just carrying them in a lot of their wins this year. If you look at some of the the Knicks wins, most of them are exclamation points of Marcus Morris finishing the game strong. So, and he's shooting, so, what, 44% from downtown? And um, that's where I think his, his scoring numbers will undoubtedly go down with the Clippers um, sure. because the offense has been running through him in New York. Uh, so he might only average 12, 13 points a game. But when he's drilling clutch threes in the playoffs, that's that's the time that they're going to really get the value out of out of bringing him aboard. Um, so I think it was, you know, a team in the Clippers who did not have a lot of tradable assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they, they did a nice job at bringing Morris aboard um, after the Lakers took Kuzma off the, tr- the table for uh, in negotiations for the Knicks. Um, right. They were left with, you know, let, let's go ahead and, and make the move with the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers right now, um, as of this morning, are two and a half games back, the number one seed in the West, behind the team that shares the same building with them. So, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're right in the thick of being one of the best teams in NBA adding somebody like Marcus Morris and even Isaiah at this point is really going to bolster your bench, make everybody a little bit better. I think it was a, a great trade for them. And the, the Knicks get also to the first round pick back. I mean, they got the, an expiring contract, so they're not committed. I think it works out for them and the wizards just, you know, get a body. So, yeah. And you know, I've been watching a little more NBA here over the last couple of weeks and yeah, uh, exactly. a team that's really standing out to me right now. That's, that's turning the corner. Damian Lillard is, it's, put the trailblazers on his back and he was just putting on a show last night um just drilling threes and then he got fouled on a drive late when they were down two and um they didn't call the foul and it it was like goaltending didn't it not what i saw i think i saw the replay it was like goaltending the whole the whole play was bad i mean it was um lillard clearly took a body when he was going to the bucket there's no way that you can't blow the whistle in that situation And it ends up costing them an opportunity in the game. I was on Blazers plus 10 and a half. Uh, I was listening to Bill Simmons uh, early this week, and he's like, how can you bet against the Blazers right now? Everybody's looking at their overall body of the work and how bad they were early this season. But that team can shoot the ball from downtown. 
they were catching ten and a half at the Jazz last night, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna follow what Simmons was talking about here, and um, yeah. that's one area that that I really trust that guy with is, is his NBA evaluation well, because he NBA loves it. Really good. He's definitely plugged into the NBA. Um, I love I've loved watching Lillard play for years. Only problem he has two problems. One, he's in Portland, which really cuts him off. I mean, if he was putting up the same numbers in the same type of game, but he was doing it in Madison Square Garden. Uh, he'd be right up there with Harden and LeBron and Curry as the faces of the NBA. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. But he's not. He's in Portland. The team underperforms. I mean, they're five games under 500 right now. They're not in the playoffs if the season ended today. It's just one of those things where he's in Portland and his team's not very good. If you're going to play out in Portland, that team has to be one of the top teams in the league in order for you to get that. And unfortunately, both of those things are counting against them. Uh, he's he's great to watch. Yeah, I mean, how fun was it when he drilled? When he he sent uh, was it OKC? He sent home last yeah. year in the playoffs uh, yep. with that thirty-eight footer or whatever it was yeah. from a mile away. He he ices the team and ends the ends the series. Boy, was that that was so fun. Those are the moments the NBA in the NBA playoffs that are so fun. Yeah, you know, another trade we should talk about is the Pistons sending Drummond to Cleveland. Um, I find this trade to be a little interesting um, just because I'm not sure what the point is. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I don't know. Drummond, to me, is not an asset anymore. Um, right. The, the style of NBA that we have now, um, those guys have a shelf life. You know, it's five, six years, and then they seem to fade. So I'm hoping that the Knicks can, can get something together with Mitch Robinson on the team doing his athletic stuff that he does now, sure. his finish rate around the rim, uh, creating problems for stressing defenses because they're worried about the lob constantly and snatching offensive rebounds. That's that's what Drummond was, and he still is to some effect. Uh, but I just don't see him as a guy that, that you want to build your team around or pay the kind of money that he's getting now. So I don't know what Cleveland's going to do with Kevin Love and Andre Drummond and, you know, that, that young backcourt that they've got there with Sexton. And, you know, it just doesn't – that whole team and the way it's being built doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, so the weird part to me wasn't that the, the traded for him. I mean, he's a he, – right now he's 17.8 points a game. He leads the NBA with 15.8 rebounds a game. He's – He's definitely still productive as of today, but it's to me it seemed like a move a contender would make, and Cleveland is literally the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and there's some bad teams in the Eastern Conference. And there's some bad teams in the Eastern Conference, and they, I mean, the Knicks have three more wins than them, I and mean, we've just been, yeah, miserable. Well, let um, me let me say, my Knicks over 27 uh, season win total is not dead. Uh, no, they've won three in a row. I know. I'm feeling really good right now. This is starting to turn the corner here. You know, I need I mean, them to win 11 games down the stretch out of their yeah. last 30. I, yeah. I don't. I do not feel as much stress as I did early this year. Uh, <laughs> you know, the the way they started, I thought I was dead in the water. And you know, I looked at the standings in the East. You know, the Knicks are six games out of a playoff spot right now. Yeah, they're. I think it's even closer now. Uh, no, no, six. You're right. Yeah, six games back right now, and there I are mean, two teams in the seven and eight seeds that are that are like hanging right around that number. So it's not like it's implausible 
that the team could start winning games and make the playoffs as a seven or eight seed. And I have a monster wager on them to make the playoffs this year. That was like plus a million. I don't, I, I can't remember what the number was. I'll have to go back and look at it. Um, but if, if they somehow backdoored into the eight seed, I'll be doing a dance in the street, uh, even though I know they're going to get swept by the bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I don't think Cleveland gave up a lot for him. Um, they think that he, you know, it seems like Detroit thinks he's he's not going to stay. He's a free agent, and they're like, screw it, we'll just get something for him. And it's just weird to me that Cleveland would pay to get him when you're not going anywhere. <laughs> what, what, what's the plan here? You got the best rebounder in the NBA as of today. Great. <laughs> now what? Yeah, may, um, maybe the thought is that they'd have a um, higher likelihood of signing him in the off season. Um, he actually, yeah, he has an opt in. He can opt in for another season. But I mean, and he, he he might. <laughs> um, it's probably a pretty hefty opt-in, and um, yeah, I don't know what he'll get on the open market now at, at his age and and yeah, um, his production's still high though. So I, I production's you know. high, but who's he fit with? Like, what what what's what type of team would make a run yeah. at Drummond and and say sure. he's a good fit for us? Yeah, I mean, I think he. Yeah, that's why I just you would think one of these teams who are really good at scoring would have picked him up yeah uh, just somebody who can grab rebounds put you know get a bunch of putbacks it's not you know he's scoring 17 points a game it's not like he's hitting jumpers here these are he's getting rebounds and putting them back so right you know yeah it's you know it's it, that was an interesting trade for sure um, and then um the miami heat spending a lot to get andre Ugudala, solomon hill and jay crowder um they sent uh, Dion Waiters, Justice Winslow, and James Johnson to get that. Um, what do you what do you think about that trade? Well, that you know that that's a thing to me where they think that the leadership uh, and experience of Iguodala is a good fit for their team that's uh, young and and ready and poised to make a run in the playoffs. Um, you know, I think this was all a playoff based move. And um, I don't think it was really necessarily a bad move. I think Justice Winslow is very uh, – he's reached his ceiling. He doesn't have a whole lot of a, an explosive future in the NBA. Um, Waiters is, is basically a journeyman at this point in his career. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's a good move for them for the short term. Uh, for the long term, who knows, you know, with, with the assets that they did give away. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at the standings and you look at the two teams um, – the Heat, they're in the fourth spot there, which you know makes you think you got a shot in the East, and I think that's what this is. They're trying to find a couple pieces that maybe can get them one more step in the playoffs. You know, they got they'll have a tough matchup if they they end into today. They'd be against the 76ers, the four or five seed there. Uh, that would be a great series to watch. Uh, so I would like to see that. Waiters has had his troubles in Miami this year, so I don't really, you know, you, that, that makes sense. And then. When you go to the other side and you look at Memphis, where are they here in the standings? You know, they're at the eighth seed, so they needed to shake some things up. They're only, they only have a two-game lead on the Trailblazers, who we've already mentioned are playing some really good basketball right. with Lillard right now. Yeah, I would love to see a Trailblazer, Trailblazers-Lakers series round one. We get that, that Lillard matchup, see if he can win them enough games to, to make it past it. Yeah. The, the big Lakers. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the NBA is, is ramping up right now, and it's going to be a lot of fun to, to watch uh, how this season finishes up. And, you know, 
kind of seems like it would be fitting to see the uh, Lakers make one run here and, and win a title with the, the, the tragic loss of Kobe Bryant this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, breaking news, Jenny Menzel is in contact with the XFL. So oh boy. opening weekend for the XFL and Johnny football hasn't signed up, but he is talking to teams right now and to the league in general. Um, get your popcorn ready. Cause I, I might add another layer of excitement. Maybe. I wonder maybe how Johnny feels about St. Louis. What's that? I said, I wonder how Johnny feels about St. Louis. I mean, you would think he would just be grateful for any opportunity, but you know, you never know. Yeah. And you know that some of these uh, quarterbacks, Eh, I'm not so sure that they're going to they're going to be looking for guys to to uh fill roles right. here. Some guys no, are going to have bad performances. There's definitely going to be one of those things where you know, so some of these guys struggle more than they had hoped and they, and they have to uh get them out of there, so. Right. Um I think now it's time to move to the UFC here. Yeah, perfect. Let's uh let's see what we got. So we go down the main card. We have heavyweights Derek Lewis right now, number six heavyweight versus Ilir Latifi, the number 12 heavyweight. Derek Lewis is a minus 220 betting favorite right now. Uh, Latifi is getting a plus 180. Um, when you look at the two, Lewis is 22 and seven. Latifi is 15 and seven. Uh, the big thing is Lewis is a brawler. He loves to throw punches. I know he has a wrestling background, but you just really haven't seen much of it in the UFC. And Latifi is very much uh, I'm going to take you to the ground try to get a limb and try to break it yeah well um you know that it's all going to depend on if Derek Lewis can defend the takedown and if Latifi has enough gas to to wear down Derek Lewis we've seen him historically have some some fights where he's just gassed right and um I think that he could get himself in trouble and and, and uh have real problems on his hands if he gets gassed against Latifi um, yeah but for sure. that being said, I love watching Derek Lewis fight. Uh, I love watching those bombs that he throws, and and he, you know he <laughs> he periodically wings a high kick that you never expected. Yeah. Um, so he's a, he's a really fun fighter to watch. Um, that's going to be a good one. It, I'll probably put a, a small taste of money on Latifi just in case he does gas out. So a couple things about Latifi that uh, um, really stand out to me. One, he's lost his last two fights. And two, this is his first ever at heavyweight. He's been at 205 this whole yeah. time. And he's stepping in with the big boys. And to me, it's crazy that he's stepping in with somebody as dangerous as Derek Lewis, um, who will easily be the hardest punch that Latifi's ever felt. But I like so, the, that situation, though. Guys coming up from 205 that are, you know, they don't have to cut anymore. And, sure. um, you know, if he can manage i think that his gas tank will be better for sure than Derek lewis um and he's gonna have to take advantage of a, a quickness edge that he should have in the fight and you know if you're backing latifi in this fight you got to hope that when he shoots that it's I, I really feel like he should try to survive a while on his feet you know keep moving make lewis move forward you know not necessarily try to grapple right away with him well while lewis is still in a situation where he's going to be strong enough and, and not tired to defend himself yeah um if you wait until later in the fight you know halfway through the second round and you still have plenty in the tank and you shoot and lewis is tired he's going to just basically give you the takedown yeah i think this is a big fight for Derek lewis um he is number six overall 
But when you look at the heavyweight division, Derek Lewis is the only one to have beaten Nagano. Um, yeah. He's got a win over the champ, and everyone in between him and the champ have losses to the champ. So, uh, or you know, not the champ, but um, in this heavyweight division, Nagano is chasing down Stipe. Right. Um, so when when you're looking at that, he, he definitely has a claim to having a shot against Stipe. And if he can, you know, this win might be enough to get him there. Is Miocic has beaten Cormier, uh, he's beaten Dos Santos, he's beaten all these guys who are in between the two of them right now. Uh, it's definitely something that you can see propelling him into a, a title fight. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's, this is the kind of fight that he must win. He can't lose this one um, because then it's a long road back to the top. Uh, and I would definitely say he, he needs to win impressively, uh, for sure. Um, really just make it obvious. Yeah, so, I mean, Derek Lewis is, is number six right now. You have Dos Santos, Blades, Nagano, and Cormier in front of him. And Miocic has beat all those guys. Lewis has beat Nagano, who's scaring everyone right now. I mean, if you if you get this win and Cormier and Miocic can't link up on a timing to make that fight, I mean, who would you rather see Miocic fight Dos Santos again, or Miocic give Derek Lewis a a fight, or or Curtis right. Blades, who really hasn't been that impressive to me in his last couple of outings either. Right. Yeah. So, um, you win know, and win big, kid. Yeah, I, it's going to be a fun fight. I'm I'm excited to watch it. So, um, what do we got next on the card? Next is a featherweight bout between Mursad Bektik and Dan Inge. Yeah. So um, Dynamite yeah. Dan, right? Yeah. Uh, Dan is twelve and two on a four fight win streak. Um, the fun thing, you know, the fun things with the featherweight is these guys they move and they move constantly. It's there's no ever dull moments and they got this one stacked in between two heavyweight bouts which may have their their dull moments in there um but these two will bring some excitement to to this card and i'm really excited to see it uh it's just 13 it's 12 and 2 back to 13 and 2 um you know it it should be very interesting to see how they match up um what do you what do you know about uh, about their background? I see that some of the guys that Dynamite Dan has fought here, um, and and there are no names that really jump off the the table yeah, at me. Both of them so. are yeah, both of them are just kind of getting started in their UFC careers. Um, Bektik has been there for a little bit, but like he had a very he only fought one fight in 2019, and he lost to Josh Emmett by TKO. So not exactly an astounding resume. Um, so. Edge is just kind of getting into the UFC, really. And this is his first big fight on a big card. And sometimes that can cause you to get off to a slow start, which in this sport is not a good thing. It'll be very interesting to see um, how both of them respond. Bektik has had a long layoff after getting knocked out. so um, And he's been knocked out a couple of times. Uh, he got knocked out by Darren Elkins, too, uh, yes. back in 2017. Um, but yep. he did. He did have a nice decision win over uh, Ricardo Lamas, who's you know he's no uh, no pushover for um, sure. And he had a win back in the day over Chaz Skelly. That's a name that some people might recognize. Um, yeah, Bektik is ranked number fourteen at the featherweight um, right now. Both of his losses were, as you mentioned, by knockout. Um, but he can win all over the place. He has six knockouts himself. He's submitted guys three times. Won four decisions. He, He's kind of all over the place, and that's a nice, well-rounded fighter. That's good when you see all that. Um, what's the what's the uh, odds on this fight? Bactic is minus one thirty, and Edge is plus one hundred right now. Okay, 
Yeah, I, in a fight that I don't have a a real great feel on, you know, when when I'm gonna place a wager, I'm usually gonna take a stab at the underdog here. And I mean, this isn't a big enough number for me to get excited about it. Um, sure. I I don't know if I would put any money on this fight to be honest with you. I probably will just to have DK, action on it. But the DK implications. I mean, either one. I mean, whatever one fits your budget, I think you want one of the two of them on your on your DraftKings, but uh, I don't think it's going to matter which one of the two you end up with because I think either one of them could end up with a a victory in this, whether it's, you know, they both seem to have a little bit of everything. You know, they both have knockout wins, they both have submission wins, and they both have decisions. So I think neither one of them jump off to you as like, oh, this guy's got a better chance of a higher score. They both have that opportunity. So I think you pick the rest of your, your guys and then, whatever you have left you see which one you can buy you know yeah um then we move to a heavyweight fight right juan adams against yeah. uh justin taffa yep big some more big boys coming in juan adams and taffa um <laughs> adams most recently get lost to greg hardy by tko uh, but he is a minus 240 favorite taffa is plus 190 um uh, not a lot of experience from either one of these guys adams is five and two taffa three and one uh kind of a you know, there's not a lot out there on these guys. Toffa's won all three of his fights. He's won. He's won by knockout, and his one loss was by knockout. Yeah. Adam, all five of his wins were by knockout. Also was knocked out by Greg Hardy. He lost one decision. So, I mean, uh, I'd imagine they're both going to come out trying to take each other's head off, and whoever lands first is going to be the victor. Yeah, um, Toffa's never, never gone past the second round. Yes. Um, no, he's never. And the only times that... Only time it looks like Adams has it, he lost the decision. So, I would not expect this fight to go the distance. So, no. uh, and if you guys get a chance to look at Juan Adams, you'll see what we mean. He is a, he's a big guy, obviously, but he is a very solid-looking individual. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just because it's, um, you know, swing for the fences and see who goes down, I'll probably put some action on Taffa because Adams can be knocked out. Obviously, he was knocked out in 45 seconds by Hardy. Um, who's certainly no slouch, but he's not a top top level UFC fighter at all. And um, you know, give me give me the guy that's getting the plus one ninety and um, has a, a puncher's chance, so they say. Absolutely, and I think I think that one's just weird to be on this this part of the card. Is is my I guess my thought. Right. Um, it should be a fun fight. I mean, heavyweights are always fun to watch. Um, they're violent. They're explosive. But it just it seems like maybe they're missing some of the resume you'd expect to see on the third to last fight of a of a major pay per view, and this is definitely fits the bill of a of a major pay per view. Um, Anytime John Jones or Conor McGregor headline a pay per view, it's a major pay per view. Absolutely, absolutely, those are the two names. I mean, really, in, yeah. in this sport right now, if if you want a, a headline a headliner card, it's one of those two guys really leading the way. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it's a great chance for both these guys to put on a show, but a little odd. Uh, and the then next... it's co-main, right? Uh, uh, Valentina yeah. Shevchenko uh, yeah, against Caitlin Chukagian. Yeah, two title fights here. Um, should be a lot of fun. The women's flyweight title. Shevchenko, again, 17-3. and She is on a four-fight win streak. Uh let's see here. Chukagian, I just uh, was scrolling through uh, Twitter this morning. Gregor Gillespie uh, trains with her in Long Island. Yeah. And he um, said... He is a very good wrestler. Uh, yeah. 
looking at her, we'll go, we'll talk about her first then. She's 13 and two in her career. Um, a lot of, a lot of wins all over the place. She's got 10 decision victories, though. Only one sub and only one, one or two KOs yeah. in her career. And both her losses have been by decision. She likes to grapple. Um, if I remember correctly, last few fights I've seen of her, a lot of them end up Holly Holm-esque from the last fight up against the cage. Some, you know, some standing grappling and some, some dirty boxing, stuff like that. Yeah, um, you know, I think that it's a, a situation that, she's going to do what she does to try and muddy the fight up against Shevchenko, who's going to be the, the obviously more skilled striker in the fight. Um, Shevchenko's going to need to defend the the takedown. Um, If she's able to defend the takedown, she's going to have a great chance to win the fight. Um, That being said, I'm going to, I don't know what the odds are on the fight, um, but I'll be, you don't want to know they're, they're crazy. Yeah. Right here, according to this one, Shevchenko is minus fourteen hundred. Wow. So Chukagian so, so is plus eight hundred. Plus eight hundred. I, I assure you, I'm going to have money on Chukagian. At plus eight hundred, if she grapples the fight, you know it just continues to get takedowns. Uh, you see it a lot in UFC. People that yeah. are huge underdogs. You know, she's her losses have been. Two split decision decision losses, one to Jessica I and one to Liz Carmouche. Yeah, uh, she's not getting knocked not, out. She's not getting sure. picked apart. She's had two split decision losses, and she's thirteen and zero in her other thirteen fights. Yeah, I think the big knock on her is the fact that she can't really, you know, there's no danger for Shevchenko in the fight to get knocked out or really get submitted. Um, so she in those you know, exchanges on the feet. She's going to have an advantage in being five rounds. She's going to get at least five cracks at her yeah. um, on the feet. And Chikagian has really, she does not have a lot of wins that you can hang your hat on. Calderwood and uh, Alexis Calderwood Davis, Arena Aldana. Those are, those are the yeah. ones that stand out to me. Yeah. And um, when you look at Shevchenko, you know, her, her list is, is crazier. Carmouche and I, are, she's beat both of them. And those are the two that beat Chikagian that got, Joanna, she's beat Pena, she's beat Holly Holm. Um, she's definitely put up a, a bigger car, um, resume, which is why she's the champ and which is why she's favored. I mean, Shevchenko, her three losses are to Carmouche, who she beat her in the rematch, and she's lost twice to Nunez, which is obviously, you know, she's the lioness. Understandable, she, yeah. <laughs> she's unbelievable. So, I mean, those are, again, so this is the, out of the five losses on this uh, – on this card two of them are to Carmouche and two of them are to Nunez so yeah uh, we got some good fighters in this mix but yeah plus 100 is, is too too plus, much of plus a, 800 uh, right yeah plus 800 right now I mean it's worth a worth a shot to throw a little bit of money on well, there and see and, if she gets lucky and and you know what they say you know they say styles make fights and yeah. uh Chukagian is going to wrestle that's what she's gonna do she's gonna try to smother and that is where it gives you the opportunity to steal fights. Um, right. If she's able to smother a striker that, and and not get drilled on her way in, then she's going to have a great opportunity. Had, I didn't have a chance to look at Shevchenko's um, fights. Has she fought a real grappler um, that stands out to you there? Yeah, I mean, she's fought pretty much everybody at the top of the list, but I, I feel like a lot of uh, – not anyone that, like, you pop off. I mean uh, – I is a little bit of a grappler, but nobody who's like mean 
right. uh, facet is grappling, but there's not that many in the women's division to begin right. with. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the style makes this an interesting matchup and gives you an opportunity at plus 800. So, um, the odds make it so you can't bet Shevchenko no matter what. I mean, Minus fourteen hundred. That's that's awful. Yeah, I mean my my hammered sports play of the week is going to be the plus eight hundred on Chukagi, and I think she's got a great chance to win this. I know uh, how seriously she's been taking her training and working hard with, you know, a guy that they call the best wrestler in the game, and in, in Gregor Gillespie. Um, so I, I think that she's got a great opportunity to to maybe control this thing on the ground and, and come out on top somehow. So you know, I I think that's for the value that you can get on it. I think that that putting action on Chukagian is worth it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, if you're making a bet on this fight, it has to be on her. And, you know, giving – I mean, she's definitely got a chance if she can control where the fight takes place. And I think that's the big thing for her. She needs to get, get dirty. She makes to get her up against the – up the cage. She needs to get her to the ground. If she's able to do both of those things, yeah. then she's going to have a huge advantage. Yeah, I mean, put a quarter on the fight. You know, put 25 bucks on it. You, you win 200 back if she if she pulls it out. You know, yeah. to me, it, it, it's worth it's worth a piece. So, um, and finally, the main event on the card: um, Johnny Bones Jones from Rochester, New York. In case anyone was wondering, uh, versus Dominic Reyes. Um, Jones, the being undefeated the Dominic Reyes. Undefeated Dominic Reyes, and the guy that should be undefeated. Yeah, yeah that well, bullshit. That's a story. Twelve to six disqualification from years ago. That's a story for another day. Um, Actually, we'll get into that right now. Screw it. Uh, John Jones is on, should be undefeated. He's twenty-five and one. His only loss is to RIT's own Matt Hamill. Yeah, <laughs> another Rochester tie-in for yeah. this. Yeah. Um, so, if anyone doesn't know the story, John Jones used an elbow, which was deemed to be from twelve to six, which means from straight up to straight down, which, per the rules, uh, is, undef- is illegal. And because he hit him with an illegal strike, he was disqualified. That is his only loss. Um, and since then, he has just been taking it out on everybody else for that. And, you know, as you go in and take a look at the, the record that Reyes has thus far, he the, the notable victories in the UFC are over Jared Cannonier, um, who's kind of, you know, a journeyman. He's solid. OSP, um, he's solid. Um, he won a unanimous decision there. Um, split decision win over Vulcan Ozdemir. Um, you know, that he's tough. And, um, and then he knocked out a Chris Weidman that should have retired two years ago. Oh man, leave the guy alone. I I love Chris Weidman. I'm sorry. I I don't, (laughs) I don't want to see him walking around like Joe Lewis. (laughs) Um, yeah. So Jones is minus 500. Reyes is plus 350. Uh, Reyes is 12 and all. He has a few good wins under his belt. Um, let me read to you some of John Jones's wins. This we, is uh, this is always fun. Yeah, it's going to be a minute. Bonner, uh, Bader, Shogun, Rampage Jackson, Leota Machida, Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, Chael Sonnen, Gustafson, Glover Teixeira, Daniel Cormier twice, OSP, Anthony Smith, Tiago Santos. Enter your name here. You know, I mean, that, yeah, he's everybody, he's everyone. On a win streak, sixteen fight win streak. How crazy is that? The, the, at the top level for as long as he the, has. the greatest fighter of all time. He's he's yeah. the goat. There, you know, you a lot of people have said, you know, Anderson Silva at one point, or you know, George St. Pierre. I don't. I think that it's indisputable. Jose Aldo at this point. for a long time was, yeah. was getting some run at that. Right. 
that this guy is the greatest of all time. He he can strike, he can wrestle, and when he gets in trouble, he finds a way to get out of it. He's funky, he throws strikes from weird angles, and there's no way to train for that. No matter how hard yeah. you work, he throws something that you didn't see coming. I think the most exciting thing in MMA right now is what's going to happen in the next three years with John Jones. There are so many like ideas of what he could do next. Um, you got Israel Adesanya basically calling him out, saying that he would own John Jones in a fight, which to me sounds crazy. But you know, I that would love some, to see it. That takes <laughs> some brass balls, man. Yeah, yeah, it does take some some brass balls. Uh, especially as how much bigger John Jones is than Israel. Israel is a very good fighter, but he's a small one eighty five. Yeah, and John Jones is, you know, his other option as if after beating if he beats Reyes and he beats Israel is to go to heavyweight because that's the only other land he's yet to conquer. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a chance that John Jones could in three years have won the 185, the 205, and the heavyweight title and become the first ever person to own all three of the belts at the same time. If he was to declare tomorrow that that's what he wanted to do, it would happen for him. They would, Dana White yeah. would line it up. He'd get Israel in six weeks or in six months, and then in six months he'd get Stipe, and he could honestly – you would think that he might be the favorite in all, all in both those fights. Yeah. Um, it's literally up to John Jones what he wants to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, from a betting perspective, there's no way I'm betting against John Jones and he's, Dude. he's a hefty favorite. Um, so I'll just be sitting back and enjoying this fight. Yeah. And you have to have Jones if you have a draft King going, I mean, there's no way he, he... lands so many strikes. He lands so many strikes, and they're so creative. He, his creativity is just—he makes it fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I hope he just stays out, keeps his nose clean, stays out of all the trouble that got he got in before, and just—I really want to see three, give me three solid years where you're chasing that brass ring of being the greatest ever. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, what else we got on the docket today, Tom? Oh, now we're going XFL land. So we're going to talk about the XFL. Um. The schedule. So today's first let's, game. Actually, Tom, let's take a quick minute here um, okay. so you and I can uh, be prepared here. We're going to actually – it's it's 2.30 Eastern right now, so um, that Seattle-DC game is in progress. I want to check on the uh, where that stands, and um, and then Tom and I will chat, and we'll be right back with you. Um, hang tight with us here on uh, the Hammered Sports Podcast. Back at it here. Um, after a quick break, uh, checked in on the score of the game. Uh, looks like the Seattle Dragons have taken a 7-3 to lead as uh, they've had the first touchdown of the XFL season caught by Austin Prohl on a pass from Brandon Silver. So um, off and running for the XFL now, and a uh, good start to my uh, Seattle plus 10 wager I made just before the podcast started. Yeah, nice little start. They got a, got a big lead when you had the plus 10 in there. They, they have some interesting players. We talked about it before. I mean, Keenan Reynolds, I'm really interested to see how he translate at wide receiver um play quarterback in navy should be really interesting to see uh how, how that happens um kind of how he looks so, yeah absolutely very interesting that. um so you know today we've got seattle dragons against dc defenders that one's in progress um we'll talk a little bit about dc tom Okay, the D.C., let me get over there. That's Cardale Jones uh, leading that yeah. unit. So D.C.'s got some interesting people, too. They have Eli Rogers on this team, Malachi Dupree, definitely some people you're familiar with um, at wide receiver. They got an interesting tight end in Kari Lee as well. Yeah, um, it's a guy that, that you have some experience seeing. Yeah, 
the running backs are, are a little bit of a question mark to me. Um, Jahul Presley looks like he won their job. And, uh, you know, I'm just interested to see kind of how he turns out, what, what really he brings to them. Um, they're coached by Pep Hamilton, who is a defensive-minded coach, obviously. And it should be interesting to kind of see what what kind of game they even play with this team, I, I think, is the big thing. Yeah. And, you know, the, the more exciting game on today's card, uh, in my eyes, is the Houston Roughnecks against uh, the L.A. Wildcats. Um, you've got that Roughnecks team uh, running the run-and-shoot offense. Um, I think they're going to chuck it all over the field. Um They've got, uh, is it uh, P.J. Walker uh, playing quarterback? For the which team? For Houston. Yeah, uh, yeah. Philip Walker, P.J. Walker is going to be their starting uh, quarterback. Temple quarterback. Um, yep. So he, he's a kid that, you know, had some talent in college. It'll be interesting to see how it translate here, translates here at this level. If, if you want to know how fun the Houston Roughnecks are, look at their official depth chart. They have nobody listed at tight end. Yeah, no, the run and shoot <laughs> doesn't have tight ends. <laughs> they don't have tight ends. They got four starting wide receivers. receivers. Yeah. And they have a couple good ones. Sammy Coates was really good in college. Um, there's a guy on here named Cam Phillips who I am very familiar with. Uh, he was on with the Bills here for a cup of coffee, uh, played on their practice squad. He's super quick and fast. Uh, Khalil Lewis is on the team at wide receiver as well. I mean, they definitely have some weapons for Phillip to uh, get the ball to. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I made a wager on uh, the over in that game, just expecting a wide open style, um, chucking it around. And I think Josh Johnson will do a nice job at quarterback for L.A. So um, for me, I took the over 51 and a half in that game, and I just can't wait to turn it on at 5 o'clock. It's going to be a perfect lead in for me to the UFC tonight. Yeah, I think uh, the schedule today is pretty sweet for that. You got the first game starting at 2. Um, you know, do whatever you have to do in the morning, get, get that stuff done because at two o'clock there's football on and the, this game rolls right into the next game. And that should get you right to the, uh, prelims at eight o'clock for the UFC. So, yeah. and, and you know. of course I'll do a little flipping over and, uh, hopefully watch my, uh, beloved Tar Heels who are in the midst of an awful season right now. Um, but they just returned, uh, Cole Anthony from injury. So, uh, in, uh, Chapel Hill. Let's uh, – I'm just going to say it, F Duke. Come on, come on, Carolina. Go Heels. All right. What else do we have here as far as the other games? So the Wildcats and the Roughnecks, um, that's the 5 o'clock today, Saturday game. We're, we're, we're spending on Houston, throwing it all over the place. What do you see in the Wildcats, though, um, as you look at that? Yeah, you know, I, I expect them to be a uh, – a competitive team they're they're going to be i think that matchup they consider it to be fairly even between houston and and uh, la uh, houston actually is minus seven so i guess it's not as close as i initially thought um but you know my idea is that uh houston's going to throw it around i don't know what la's style is going to be who's coaching that squad out there I don't, I don't think we were familiar with that coach were we uh la yeah give me one second here Yeah, this is the Washington Moss head oh, coach. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just don't have enough familiarity with him to know what to expect. So um, He did bring in some guys that we know as coordinators. Norm Chow is the offensive coordinator, and Pepper Johnson's the defensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I'd anticipate a, a fun style. I think Norm Chow is known for throwing it around some as well. Um, so that's yeah, a, he's more of a West Coast guy, though, right? Like, yeah, oh. yeah. 
you know, short passing game. Uh, you know, that that's kind of, you know, run yeah, after the catch style. Team is really well coached with Ted Gutrella, D coordinator, and June Jones, uh, presumably, and Chris Miller <laughs> running that offense. Yeah, I mean, it should be a really tough team to deal with this year. I, th- that's the thing. My toss-up was between the Battlehawks and the Roughnecks when I was trying to choose a team. So, you know what, it's, I, I could live to regret this because uh, the Battlehawks are being uh, widely viewed as potentially the worst offense in the league. Um, but I think that that's, they're, they're trying to play a, a ground-and-pound-and-defense style, and you guys know my affinity for that style of game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next we'll talk about uh, the Sunday games. Sunday we have Tampa Bay Vipers versus the New York Guardians. Hey, what uh, time is that game? Sunday, they have the same schedule to, on tomorrow, 2 o'clock and 5 o'clock. Is it, uh, is it in New York? It does look to be in New York, yes. Where are they playing those games? Any idea? I, I do believe they're playing at MetLife. Are they really? I do believe so. Wow. I mean... You know, I, I got to go down. Big stadium to fill, I'll tell you that. I got to go down to Connecticut tomorrow. Maybe I should look at tickets and swing in and watch a game in person. That would be nuts. If I get on the road early enough, I could I could stop down at MetLife. It's it's just a quick little jog out of the way. Tomorrow is the home opener for them. I mean, tickets are really cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's super cheap. Yeah. That, we'll I, talk about that. I, I'm gonna have to think about that. The, uh, pod's over, but yeah. Stay tuned next week. We may have uh, Kevin's first real live action at, <laughs> yeah. at a game here. Um, but that game should be fun. I think we got uh, – let's look at some of the teams. We'll talk about the home uh, New York uh, Guardians. It's so hard not to say Giants. New York Guardians um, with Kevin Gilbride as the head coach and GM. Uh, that team is uh, – so – I think we talked about this when we talked about the rosters. I really wanted to be a Guardians fan. Like, all right, you know, yeah. their helmets are cool. I don't. I think the name's kind of weak, Guardians. But and then they they give me Matt McGloin as their starting quarterback and yuck. Yeah, I'm not excited about watching that quarterback play at all. I, and I mean, when we both talked about it, we really were hoping Marquise Williams would get that job. Yeah, and to me, that would have been a lot of fun to watch. But instead, now I got to watch Matt McGloin. You know, hopefully he struggles early and we get we get some Marquise Williams in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then on the other side, you have the Tampa Bay Vipers, who are going to be coached by Mark Trestman. Um, and Known Jerry, as an offensive wizard. He was great in the CFL, struggled a bit with the Bears. Yep. Uh, but, I mean, for, um, his quarterback sucked when he was with the Bears. Yeah. Jerry Glanville is running that defense, and that is pretty much as old school as it gets. Um, Man, that's fun. And that's fun they have Aaron, Mer- Aaron Murray winning that quarterback job uh, from Georgia, going to take the reins there. Yeah, that's uh, that's an intriguing team. I mean, um, do you know what the betting line is on that game by any chance? One I, moment. I, I got to believe that Tampa's going to be favored in that game based on what I'm hearing. Um, so, you know, without knowing the lines, I'm going to guess Tampa is favored. Well, Tampa is minus four. Yeah, yeah right, right around where I thought. Yeah, they should be, uh, you know, that game should be pretty interesting to see. It definitely could be a contrast in styles. I think Gilbride is certainly known for playing it tight to the vest. He's probably going to run, play action pass his way around. And um, wasn't it Gilbride is the one, he's the one that got punched by Buddy Ryan in the face years ago, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't think they like each other. 
yeah, Buddy Ryan punched him in the face. So that's that's pretty funny to me. And you know, there's a connection there with uh, you know Jerry Glanville was coaching. He might he might have been the head coach at the time in Houston when Gilbride got punched by the defensive coordinator in the face. <laughs> I I'd have to look that up, but I think Jerry Glanville, who's coaching the defense for Tampa, was the head coach of the Oilers. When Gilbride was the OC, Buddy Ryan was the DC, and Buddy Ryan punched him in the mouth. That's pretty funny. Yeah, we're, we're uh, taking it back here. I think this might have been like 1990, 1991, somewhere in that ballpark. So 30 years ago now. All right. And the final game on the docket? Yeah, the final game is Sunday at 5 p.m. on ESPN. The Dallas Renegades host the St. Louis Battlehawks. Oddly enough, Kevin and I picked these two teams as our favorite teams, and they play each other the first game of the of the season. Oh yeah, there we go. let's get some action here. Let's go. Uh, uh, so the Dallas Renegades look like they're going rolling out Landry Jones at starting quarterback, but they have some interesting running backs and Cameron Artis Payne and Marquis Young, Lance Dunbar. Uh, definitely some good options at running back. Yeah. And, and go ahead. Next Thursday, um, are are you going to be able to record in studio, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so we'll record in studio, and um, we'll have a little uh, – This because we washed on our Super Bowl bets, Yep. Um, you won the fantasy, I won the, the props – um, this will be, we'll do this straight up. I know that, I know that St. Louis has got to be the dog because of everything I read said that they were not any good, but I'll play you. I'll, I'll go straight up for a bottle of booze with you. Done and done. Yeah. This will be fun. Now we got some real action going for that game tomorrow. Plus, you know, I'll be putting a piece on the game as well on the side. Yeah. So the Dallas Renegades coached by Bob Stoops, um, Landry Jones, a pretty strong running game. They're going to have, it seems, um, and with Stoops there, you have to think that defense is going to be well coached and, you know, really able to to play solid football. Yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna force Jordan Taamu to who's starting at quarterback for St. Louis to um, throw the ball. Uh, he was an exciting quarterback at Ole Miss. Uh, that offense scored a lot of points while he was there. Um, mm-hmm. He has the ability to run and pass. So I'm excited to see him play quarterback and, and see what he can do um, at the next level. I, I don't think that he, I think I'm concerned about his uh, ability to stand in the pocket and make throws. Um, but I think they're going to lean on the running game and uh, maybe get his play action game and, and a little boot and move him around. Um, so I'm excited to watch that matchup. Yeah, the, the running backs for the Battle Hawks are probably the best position group of any of the position groups in the entire XFL. You have Christine Michael, who's played in the NFL, played meaningful games in the NFL. Matt Jones, who's played in the NFL. Keith Ford um, doesn't have a lot of regular season experience, but he played actually here in Buffalo a few seasons in preseason and was on the practice squad. And a couple of those preseason games, he had over 100 yards rushing and just looked dynamic. Uh, But unfortunately for him, the Bills just have always had – some good running backs and he's you know backing up LaShawn McCoy and Matt Jones uh, is explosive man he just couldn't stop hey, fumbling the ball you right? know he, he's a big strong dude and he fumbles the freaking football if he could hold on to the ball the guy'd still be in the NFL <laughs> for sure 
Yeah, so I mean that's week one of the XFL. I'm really excited about it. I, I in fact, you know, as soon as we're done here, I'm heading in to, to turn it on. And if Spectrum Maybe. fixes their freaking outage that we've got, and I would like to float the first conspiracy theory out on the Hammered Sports Network. Okay. Did the NFL pull Spectrum's plug to keep the XFL from having a big first day? Wow, something to Just think saying. about. Just I mean. saying. You know, it's a, big, it's a big moment for the XFL. They've been getting ready for this. Does the NFL have the juice to get Spectrum to pull the plug? Maybe work out a better deal with them down the road. Yeah. Maybe starting allowing them to carry the Red Zone channel for free, which they haven't been able to do yet. Well, Maybe there's some deals made. Yeah, things, things. there could be some grimy backroom stuff going on here. So the XFL, for... I mean, the NFL's played grimy before. They were grimy with the USFL. Donald Trump still has the one dollar check he was awarded for suing the nfl where a judge awarded them the victory in the case but only said one dollar in damages which is just a ridiculous joke <laughs> that, yeah that the damages of putting them out of business would have been one million or one dollar when you know it's millions of dollars for each organization so i'm gonna have to start digging around and see if i can find a stream on the internet here because i can't stream the app for spectrum either this yeah. is this is infuriating this stuff better yeah. get tightened up soon i got a pay-per-view to watch and duke carolina and xfl come on I think with the pay-per-views I, I can stream that on uh through the, the espn app which will still right. work yeah yeah that's that's true i guess i don't have to stress that but yeah. come on i got duke um, carolina today so next week should be a lot of fun. We're gonna pre, we're gonna review our XFL Week One, the games, the the wagers, all that fun stuff. Um, the NBA All Star Preview. We're gonna do that. We're gonna talk about uh, the teams. I know they were just drafted, but we're gonna talk about them next week, and you know, kind of talk about what we look forward to for All Star Weekend. Uh, then we're gonna preview XFL Week Two. Um, we should have a better idea of what these teams are trying to do and kind of who they are. And then there's even more UFC next week. So we're going to talk about this pay-per-view. We're going to preview that. And, uh, again, another another jam-packed week. I think uh, we got some fun stuff coming up. We're going to we're gonna talk a little hockey in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to do – Kevin and I are going to put together our favorite our, – our top five pound-for-pound fighters in the UFC list, and we're going to go over that in a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, it's uh, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up here, and then we're going to start uh, talking some NFL draft and getting into some of the prospects and position groups and the teams that have needs and where those needs will be uh, as we start to prepare for our um, live mock draft that we're going to do uh, in yeah. the weeks leading up to the NFL draft. So, yeah, and we got our, our baseball preview shows are coming up. Um, believe it or not. By looking out your window, depending on where you are, you may see snow, but spring training is next week. Yeah, and report, so. it's golf season, baby. We're, we're starting to work our way towards the Masters now. So yeah. um, plenty of stuff to talk about, even with the NFL coming to an end. Uh, I'm excited for what we've got coming down the line. Uh, website should release uh, sometime in the next 7 to 10 days. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get you the website on the next podcast um, so that you can check that out. Um, through the website, you'll be able to sign up to an email list that'll um, actually allow you to uh, know exactly when the podcast is uploaded um, so that you guys will get a notification and, and be ready to go. It'll be a great feedback for you, forum. We're going to try and set up some DraftKing contests come baseball season, uh, maybe throw in a periodic NBA one, something fun for us to do. Um, so all kinds of great stuff coming for us. I do want to put on the record my two picks for this weekend that we'll judge next week. Um, Chukagian plus 800 
Um, that's one bet that I would make from Hammered Sports. And the other bet is going to be Tampa Bay minus four tomorrow against the New York Guardians. So um, Vipers minus four and Jukagian plus 800 tonight. And those are the Hammered Sports picks this week. Yeah, and, uh, you know, look, look for us to tweet some out. We're going we're gonna to start tweeting out midweek picks. Um, you know, we can't do a podcast every night, but we can send out, you know, hey, this is the game I'm looking at. This is what I see, and this is kind of what we're going to bet each week. So at hammered underscore throw- sports. Yeah, yeah, hammered underscore sports. Make sure you're following that. You can definitely get us some some good insights and kind of what we're looking at. So uh, yeah. until next week. Hey, keep getting winners, guys. See ya. Keep cashing. Ooh.